this is a continued practice and it's a lifelong practice. And so to provide resources and to provide education and to help people to continue to understand this from a uh, deeper perspective, I think is, is more important than judging people about how they began that path. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. I'm so excited today to be joined by a very special, don't even, we're having all kinds of things go on right now. I'm joined by a very special guest, Dr. Krista Kuberry is on joining us today from Yoga Alliance. I can say that right. Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. Um, And I am so excited to talk to her about her journey and how she got to where she is. One of my favorite things to do is to talk to incredibly accomplished women, which Krista is. And just to get, um, just to give us that motivation and that inspiration that we often yearn for and sometimes don't have somebody in our life that is that influential, um, which is one of the reasons why I created this podcast is so that we can hear everybody's stories and we all can connect and feel like we're a part of. So that being said, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you and to have this conversation with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm equally excited to be here. Well, so for the people that don't know who you are, can you just tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. Yeah. Um, Again, my name is Dr. Krista Kuberi, and I am the Vice President of Standards at Yoga Alliance. So what that is, which is a fancy (laughs) thing. Um, essentially, I have been, I've been brought on. I only started last September, so I'm fairly new to Yoga Alliance. And they really brought me in to help with looking at the standards review project, which is a, a, a year and a half project they undertook to really look at how much yoga has changed and what we can do as Yoga Alliance to both up-level the profession, recognize how its growth, as well as be better supportive of yogis and yoga in general uh, out in the world. So, you know, when Yoga Alliance started, it was very much um, a different yoga world, if you will. So, so yeah, my job is really to take everything where we've been and, and help project looking towards the future in a really supportive and relational way. Yeah. What prompted this, this uh, new uh, transition or what prompted Yoga Alliance to make this a focal point of their business module? Yeah, I think in general, it's just the, the idea that the community was asking for it for, uh, you know, when we would go out externally, when we would talk to people, the vibe was, you know, we really need to think about how we can support yoga in the grandest of senses. And then um, David Lipsius, who was our previous CEO, really undertook this massive 
a project of research of, of doing surveys and working groups and getting community feedback in all of these different areas in order to create new standards for yoga teachers and yoga teacher training programs that were community minded and were very much um, in some ways trying to reflect us growing into being more of a professional member association. Yeah. And, and for me, this has always been uh, such a huge storehouse of information. When I became a yoga teacher, um, this was like our uh, diploma right? It's like registering with Yoga Alliance because of the standards and because of the way that um, they had collected all of this different research to create an umbrella of standards for everybody to know, oh, you're a Yoga Alliance registered teacher, like that means something, right? Um, I want to get into that, but first I, I want to talk to you about um, you and and how this this became a part of your career path and what your relationship is to yoga sure. um if you're a yogi if you're a practitioner like how what is your degree in you're a doctor yeah, why, why am i here yeah, i want to know sure. tell me everything tell you everything yeah so i am i'm a yogi i'm a yoga teacher i was a yoga teacher trainer and i'm also a yoga scholar so very much all about the yoga um <laughs> i took my first yoga class in 1999 although i will say i probably wasn't a practitioner of yoga till around 2002 i would say and um i really was deep into the physical practice of yoga. To be honest, I was an athlete most of my life and I, I started the yoga from more of a, an exercise perspective. But at the same time, I was also getting my master's in religious studies and was going down this whole route of looking at Hinduism and getting very interested in especially the more yogic aspects of, of that space. So Funny enough, I didn't really put the worlds together at first, but while I was getting my master's, one of my friends was like, hey, could you come into my yoga teacher training and talk to me about some of the stuff that you're learning? So I was like, sure, that sounds like fun, you know, and, and then it just morphed into this whole piece of, of really becoming more of a bridge, I would say, between the worlds of academia and all the knowledge I was learning in those spaces and then bringing those into yoga studio spaces. So... I became uh, a yoga teacher trainer. I also finished my doctorate and I wrote my dissertation on yoga in America. So um, that was my thing is I, I'm the first person to argue for the identity of American yoga. So that was, you know, a long process of studying and research and understanding while I was at the same time deeply uh, engrossed in being a practitioner personally and then figuring out different ways to share both the physical practice of yoga as well as the more philosophical and spiritual side of yoga as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm so fat. I literally have this list of questions that I want to talk to you about, but I just downloaded a million <laughs> questions right now. Yeah. Um, and I want to know all about your dissertation because I don't know if you, you know this or not, but two years ago, I went on a yoga tour with Yoga Journal that we toured like 38 cities in like 38 weeks or, or something like that. I'm like, I, I blocked it out because it was like, you know, a lot. <laughs> a lot. I was like, wait, what, what happened? And to me, I'm so fascinated to hear what, you know, what your take, like what were your findings? Like, because it's so, yoga is so different across the United States. And I think one of the things that I found, I, there was two things, right? So I want to address both. One of the things that was um, a little bit disheartening was that 
there was a lot of people out there who were teaching yoga, but not really teaching yoga. Not to say I don't want to get on this like high horse that like, oh, right. this isn't yoga or goat yoga isn't yoga. That is, you, if everybody is listening to me, you know that that is not how I feel. I think anything can be yoga. I think running can be yoga. I think watching your children, taking care of your animals, that can be yoga. I'm saying it in the sense of what was you, what was being taught under the umbrella of this philosophy was mm -hmm. not that. Right. And so that was one of the things that I was a little bit disheartened by. Uh, there was a lot of schools that were out there teaching teacher trainings that weren't under the Yoga Alliance umbrella. And, and for me personally, this is my opinion, people might disagree, but I feel that there is a certain level of standards that Yoga Alliance does have. And so for me, if a school isn't registered under that umbrella, um, that tells me something. Not to say that it's bad. It's just right. for, for me personally, I would rather have the accreditation from uh, this umbrella that has already done all of that research. Okay, so that's that's my, you know, sense. Right. And the good things that I found was that there are so many practitioners across the U.S. I mean, we were going through like um, region, uh, through like Tennessee and in uh, the southern states and the middle of America and the Midwest, like there was yoga everywhere. And it was so cool for me and, and my, my partner Brant at the time, like to travel across the US and we had this big trailer that said live be yoga. And so we'd stop at these truck stops and we'd get these like big like trucker guys being like, yeah. oh yeah, well, what's the deal with this yoga, you know? And it's just like, it, it was really cute. Anyway, so I'm curious what your findings were. What were the most interesting things that you found? Yeah, I think that what you said is a big reflection of it. You know, I did find, I argued that yoga is very much here, individualized, it is branded, it is entrepreneurial that it is a spectrum of understanding all the way from just, you know, the physical all the way to deep practice. Um, I found that there is a surface kind of idea of yoga in the U.S., but I also discovered, and similarly to you, that there's a lot of depth as well. Um, and so, you know, from my perspective, I did this entire looking at the history of yoga and then the history of Tantra and argued through Anusara, which was interesting because that was what I was, that was what I started with, Anusara as my example of American yoga. And then we all know, or maybe not all of us, but a couple things happened. And so <laughs> yes. I then followed the thread with John Friend as he created Sri Daiva, which is now the global mm -hmm. bowspring movement. And so yeah. the idea of looking at how we have taken this, this wisdom and how we have made it uh, particularly American. Um, one of the papers I wrote, not necessarily in my dissertation, was basically arguing that Yoga in America is similar to like a mashup song. So you get like all of these different pieces and you get the underlying beat, but you get certain things thrown in, things brought from the past, things added, um, and that kind of idea. So I, you know, even today really argue, I, I sit, I'm on the steering committee for the, the yoga theory and practice group at the American Academy of Religion. So I'm definitely still very much a scholar, but I, I feel deeply and have personally experienced how much yoga has changed my life. So while I like to do critical analysis of it, I like to also recognize how impactful it is to human beings and therefore don't want to discount like the myriad forms that it takes in this, in this particular space. Yeah. Oh, I love that response. That's so good. Where do you see, I always find it fascinating when I talk to yoga scholars because I always, I always find it interesting to hear what your take is on 
obviously, and this is now part of your job, but how yoga is evolving in the U.S., like, what do you see happening, you know, because it just seems like the numbers keep growing and more and more people um, are getting into yoga and the practice continues to evolve as we continue to grow and evolve as humans. So what do you see happening? Like, what is the the big theme that you see happening? Is it still going to continue to grow or do you think that it'll plateau at some point? You know, they've been saying it's going to plateau for like the last 10 years, but because it has so much viability and now it's being utilized in all sorts of different settings like hospitals and schools and also getting, you know, scientific research backing for it. My thought is it's not going to stop growing, but what I see just from a, um, you know, my own perspective is, is we have a lot of brand new yogis and there's a lot more people looking for depth, right? We, we start in this space of going to yoga because we want to have, you know, toned arms or we want whatever, we want some stress relief. And yeah. then there is something that seems to happen, not for everybody, but from what I've experienced in the conversations I've had, um, from a more yogic perspective, perspective, it's called yoga pratyaksha, but this whole moment of, of super ordinary consciousness where you're like, whoa, something happened in that class and I want more of that. And so that seems to take people down all of these different paths where, you know, whether they go at it from more of a bhakti perspective, a spiritual perspective, or whether they go deeper with anatomy, that there does seem to be a trend of deepening of understanding and wanting more of a holistic kind of picture of this yoga thing, at least from what I've, I've noticed. Yuveda has one simple vision. They want to create a healthier and happier world using the intelligence of Mother Nature. Yuveda believes in the ancient principles of Ayurveda and want to bring them to you in a modern and easy way. They created innovative and full support supplements that contain only the best, highest quality organic and wild harvested ingredients. And now they have just introduced a brand new essential oils line to go with your health journey. One of my favorite essential oils is the immunity. Aromatherapy can help boost your immune system by providing your body the strength to heal and the support it so desperately needs. The doctors over at Uveda recommend to pair the essential oil with the My Healthy Immunity Supplement Kit in order to help strengthen your immune system to the fullest. For me, it is a non-negotiable as I travel all the time and I'm trying to take care of my health. For more information, go to uveda.com and don't forget to use the promo code ROSIE to get a special discount on I your find next that. Part. And to be true, especially in the sense of how, what apropos to what I was saying earlier about how all, everything is yoga, right? Like goat yoga is yoga, like stand up paddleboard yoga is yoga. It's like, because it's going to create that opening. And like you said, there's, there's going to be this desire Mm -hmm. to want to learn more, to want to know more. And I think that I, I, I feel that that is why keeping that door open is so important. And for us as teachers or people that have uh, advanced studies or have been doing this for a long time to not um, minimize people's practices or their experiences. You know, I've, I've found that there's a lot of teachers out there who I read this post recently that said, oh, we don't need any more teacher trainings. We need more yoga teachers like teaching, you know, instead of doing more teacher trainings. And 
and in a sense, like I, I see what that teacher is, is saying, but, but I also feel like that's, that's not us practicing yoga. Us practicing yoga is being open to this understanding that this particular person has a special medicine to give to those students. And if those students are going to re resonate with this teacher trainer, for whatever reason, they might not resonate with another teacher. At the end of the day, it's still about union. It's still about connection. Exactly. And I think, you know, for for Yoga Alliance specifically, uh, is, is for us in some ways to support this idea that yoga is this entire lifelong journey of education, right? So to recognize in all the different ways that people begin the path that, that there's there's different ways to get there, but what we need to all know and support and help in community as well as in education is that, that this is a continued practice and it's a lifelong yeah. practice. And so to provide resources and to provide education and to help people to continue to understand this from a uh, deeper perspective, I think is, is more important than judging people about how they began that path. Yes, I totally agree. So on, on your journey as a yogi, what has been the thing or philosophy that has helped you the most? Like, is there a certain way of looking at your life, like maybe the eight limbs or a certain philosophical uh, ideal? Is there, is there something in particular that yoga has provided for you that has allowed you to, I would say the whole thing, right? But it's like to right. allow you to get to where you are now. For sure. I think the one you know, that most resume, I mean, I have it tattooed on my body, so that's probably uh -oh. <laughs> um, the thing that really, really speaks to me, especially is from the Rig Veda, some of the oldic texts. And it's an aphorism of Tatswamasi, which essentially means thou art that or that thou are. And for me, I really look into that as, you know, I might be a drop in the ocean, but I am also the ocean. So, you know, I have to live in both of those spaces. That is so good. For those of you not watching this video, I'm just like <laughs> arms up, hailing. Exactly. Let's just say exactly. Um, I love that so much. And to me, that's that's what yoga is, right? It's like our ability to be open to one another and to continue to encourage each other to always be a student and to continue to learn and to continue to advance our practice in a sustainable way that's going to serve our highest, right? Right. And um, that, that practice can look very different ways, like you said, but it, but it is a practice and it's very individual, but that individual practice leads to collective betterment, right? So mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's yeah. an amazing thing to be a part of. What role does ritual play in your life? Ritual is very much an important piece of my life. Um, because I am so busy, I have two small children, I work full time. Uh, I'm also writing a book on yoga, I'm writing a yoga textbook, I have to have a lot of structure. And so for me, I, I the first thing I do, I don't know um, if you've heard of RPM or Rise P Meditate, but I get up and I meditate every morning. And then I practice some some asana before I start my day. And then I normally also start with a bit of writing and reading because I, because of the book before I even get to my workspace. So I try to get all that done really early in the morning where focus on my children. And then towards the end of the night, one of my other practices that I can't really do without is a gratitude practice, which is a huge ritual for me before I go to bed, just before I lay down my head, reminding myself at least of two or three things that I'm grateful for from, from the most mundane to the biggest things. But that really sets me up, I feel like, for the next day to go into it without being overwhelmed or 
as little of overwhelm as possible and as much gratitude and compassion for myself and every, and my, my life situation as possible. Yeah. Tell us about this book that you're writing. Sure. Yeah. So, um, funny enough, I, I signed this book contract right before I found out about this job. Um, and I'm writing a book with another yoga scholar. She's at a Cal Poly. Um, and it's a yoga textbook for undergrads, for interested practitioners. It's called, is this yoga? And it's uh, histories, concepts, and the complexities of contemporary practice. So really, the idea is that it's broken into sharing both, you know, in, in a rigorous way, but also an accessible way, some of the, the complex history of yoga, all of these different concepts in a way that's understandable, as well as, um, and something that I think is maybe missing in a lot of the current landscape is looking at, from an academic lens, the world we live in today. So the complexities of yoga, everything from consent to looking at gurus, to looking at, you know, what these different uh, ways of showing up, the different substances that are found in yoga or not, just thinking about these, these ideas and taking a look at it from an academic lens. Yeah. Oh, I love, I'm so excited. I'm like, it is already part of my curriculum. Send right. it to me. <laughs> I'm excited. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I'm very excited. And she's, you know, I'm more of the contemporary, as I said, and she very much, um, she studied with Edwin Bryant, who wrote my very favorite, you know, uh, version of the Yoga Sutras. And, yeah. Yeah. So she's a, she's a Sanskritist. She's also a yoga teacher, but she's more of the historical and I'm more the contemporary. So I feel like together we're a pretty good team to write something like this. That's great. I love that. Um, yeah, more books by female authors, please. Thank you. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. <laughs> Um, that's, that's really exciting. One of the things that I find fascinating in, in all of this work or being able to just be open to new ideas and um, expanding yoga beyond just the forms and asana and what it is and to actually dive deeper into uh, the philosophies that it, it embodies and that is designed for us to create a lifestyle. So just for the people that are listening and a lot of people that listen to this podcast are already practitioners or are what I call yoga curious. Um, what do you think is, um, what kind of words of encouragement do you have for the people that are listening to this or watching this video that feel like I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible or because I don't know what the, postures are called and I don't understand Sanskrit. Right. I would just say, you know, we're all beginners, right? And I think a beginner mindset is a beautiful thing. And so to go in there and know, and, and I would let your yoga teacher know firsthand so that they can also help you on this path when you get into the studio, say, hey, this is my first time. I know my first time I showed up in like soccer shorts and a baggy t-shirt and was like, I'm ready to do this thing. I also had no idea. So we are all that at some point. And you have to give yourself grace enough to allow yourself to be vulnerable. And the gift of vulnerability leads to the gift of yoga, I would say, as far as stepping into those spaces and, and being courageous enough to do so. Um, I love Brene Brown's idea or notion of courage where she talks about core is the, the root, you know, is, is the word for heart, right? So it's really wearing your heart on your sleeve. And so to know that yoga is itself a heart-based practice and that you can be courageous enough, wear your heart on your sleeve, walk into that space, know that every single person in that room at some point on their path probably also felt just as uncomfortable as you. And that it's really about in some ways, whether or not, I mean, people don't like to think about this either, but some part of yoga is also about being uncomfortable. It's about that, you know, 
face and dealing with what that feels like to not always have everything figured out or, you know, sitting, (laughs) sitting in it a little bit. (laughs) Mahamudra. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't sometimes with those forward bends. I'm just like, oh, this is well, yoga. Right. And, and the whole not flexible thing. It's like, well, yes, I know. But that's the whole way you get flexible, right? And with anything, we, we, we don't get to – we often forget, especially I think in our culture, um, in, in the Instagram world and all of these things, like yeah. we see the end result. We don't see the process, right? Yes. So you're not going to go in and be in a perfect handstand day one. But isn't that the beauty of it, that you get to work to whatever that is, your peak is, whether that is a pose or that is, you know, a moment of silence in your brain Mm -hmm. or the ability to have a little self-care away from your toddler or whatever it is, but that that you can work towards something and that the work is just as beautiful as the end result. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I wish more people would post those videos or those Mm -hmm. pictures. It's like, here is me on my way to... this posture. Um, Some people do, you know, but I feel like it's not done enough. And more often, I mean, it's just, it's our innate makeup. We want to be able to see the finished product. Right. And, and then we think that that is where we need to be. And then it creates that um, inadequacy. No no poses and still be doing yoga. You know, you can go in and just sit there. (laughs) Totally preach, preach to that. Hey everyone, 2020 is your year. Have you been dreaming of starting your own podcast? If you have, then this is the year to make it happen. Maybe it's an idea or something that you're really good at or something that you want to learn more about. Our friends Krista and Lindsay from the Almost 30 Podcast just released the new Podcast Pro program to help you launch, market, and monetize the podcast of your dreams. Krista and Lindsay started Almost 30 in their closet floor while working full-time jobs in just three years. They turned it into a top-rated podcast with millions and millions of downloads worldwide. They've created such an incredibly supportive community. And in Podcast Pro, they're sharing exactly how they did it and all the secrets they learned along the way. You can sign up now at yourpodcastpro.com to launch your dream podcast. You can also find more information by clicking the info button of this particular podcast and check out the link there. And now back to our show. So for me, yoga and, and you know, knowing my background, yoga has been so much more about achieving a certain level of freedom as, you know, as well as learning about, you know, my own patterning and being able to connect deeply with who and what I am, you know, in a philosophical sense. Um, so being able to achieve a feeling of freedom in my body, in my mind, in my space is something so important for me to be able to just function out in the world and Um, maybe my asana practice, my physical forms don't look like a normal class because it's, you know, I don't spend as much time as the average yogi because maybe I meditate longer, I'm traveling and I just don't have the time for it, but it's still a practice. But I guess one of the things that I want to ask you is um, what is your definition of freedom and how or if yoga plays a part in it, how, how that works. 
Yeah, yoga is a huge, <laughs> a huge player in, in my understanding of freedom and my concept of freedom and my ability. Uh, I think for, for me especially, yoga has played this really crucial role of being able to be present. Um, and so I think presence is so much freedom. And, and I've learned through the practice of meditation and yoga and pranayama and all of these things, how to be in my body and how to be present in my body so I can show up in presence for the rest of my life. You know, I especially think about that with my, my children and the way that yoga has created freedom enough for me to be less reactive, to take a deep breath, to come back and be present in those spaces. Um, so freedom in the everyday moments and as well as freedom from the everyday and to a certain extent, you know, like I step onto my mat and for me, it is very much a sacred little rectangle of space because, you know, it's, it's in some uh, definitions of sacred, it is that which is not mundane, right? So it's where I create the space where I am completely separate from what I have going on in my daily life. I'm present with my breath. I'm present with my body. Therefore, I'm free to really experience the the union that yoga is. I'm not separate from all of this beautiful, uh, this beautiful prana that's flowing through me and with me and in the room with all the other people. I'm I'm free in that space, which uh, my mind tends to run about a million miles a minute. So that truly is is a freeing moment, and and yoga being for me a space and a um, conduit for that freedom, really. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love that. We need to do this again. I'm just like so fascinated. I want to continue to learn. Um, what is the thing that you're focusing on right now? Um, the most aside from writing your book and work, um, more in the energetic and emotional plane, like what has been your biggest practice of self care or focusing Mm -hmm. on just you, who you are? Yeah, I mean, this has been, and this is this is me sharing a lot, but I just said vulnerability and courageous. This has been a big year for me. I moved across the country. I moved from Colorado to D.C. for this job. I got a divorce out of a 17-year relationship. Um, I changed careers from being a professor to, to being at Yoga Alliance. So it, it's been a lot. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> And in that space, I, I, my, my mantra that I have really been working with throughout the whole thing is, is Thich Nhat Hanh's No Mud, No Lotus, right? And so for me, oh, in this so process good. of trying to be in the mud and recognizing that I can't go around it, I have to, I don't love uh, emotions or feelings. That's not like my go-to. So uh, that I have to have these feelings and I have to feel the feelings and I have to do the work of all of them in order to get past that. So that's been big, big for me this last year. I mean, I've child's posed in grocery stores. It's been <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It's like the yoga. I was like, I'm going to have a panic attack. What do I do? What do I do? I do child's pose. Child's pose. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so funny. I've done that before, like pulled over in my rental car in the yeah. middle of a road, in the middle of a road that I don't know when it's already dark and just like put my hands up in the air and was like, okay. Right. This is what I need. And that has been, the yoga has taught me that. Like before I would have just been like, okay, I'm just going to be anxious and, you know, and then it's like, no, I actually know that if I stimulate my vagus nerve, I know that I calm my nervous system. I know if I deep breathe deeply that, you know, that the the nervous system, the breath is the only thing the nervous system speaks. So like those tools and helping me deal with the emotional uh, chaos of life has been also amazingly helpful. And I don't know, to be honest, that I would be able to have gone through all of the changes that I have and still maintained myself without those tools. 
Wow, that is that is huge and and so beautiful. And thank you for sharing on this very public forum. I know, it's like it's very public, but but, you know, you got to live the work, right? No, that's absolutely right. No, I love that you said that. And I feel like more people need to just be open and honest about what's going on, especially in the world that we live in today, Mm -hmm. where everything is seen through a filtered lens and um, a, a palatable expression because we don't want to seem like we're doing something wrong or saying something out of place. It's like, I think we need to just go back to this place where we can actually share how we feel and not look at our lives through rose colored glasses, so to speak, and just be able to be honest because I feel like that's where all of these practices really come into play, you know? Right. The humanness and the human experience and the, the, you know, life is full spectrum, but yoga being able to not necessarily, you know, we can't necessarily help what happens to us, but we can definitely learn how to react better to what happens to us through this practice, right? And through emotional regulation and through freedom and through presence. And, um, and I think that that being part of what we speak to when we speak about yoga is just as important as having a perfect or working towards some sort of idea of perfection and alignment. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I can talk to you forever. And I think like, I want to have you back on because there's some other stuff I want to talk to you about now. Um, For the people that are listening or watching this video, where can they go for more information about you or to connect with you or ask questions or just learn more from Yoga Alliance? Definitely. I mean, they, they're welcome to go to the Yoga Alliance website. Um, I also am happy to have them send me an email. Um, my email is Krista Kuberi at yogaalliance.org. I'm, I'm happy to speak with them. Um, otherwise, uh, Instagram, I'm Dr. Krista Kuberi, Instagram. Um, I have a website. It's actually funny. Uh, it's inactive currently, but just because I lost the website host, which I just need to put it back up. But I also, before having this, uh, role at Yoga Alliance, I was also creating a wellness program at the university of Denver. So I was teaching courses on, you know, wellness as an interdisciplinary model for different majors, as well as spiritual and emotional wellness for freshmen. And then taking that model out to do like wellness for wall street and stuff like that. So very much, um, was part of that world. So you can find all of that work once I get my website back up. As Great. Well. Hopefully by the time this airs, you guys, it'll just be on there. So yeah. we'll put all of those links in the show notes. If you're listening to this on whatever platform you're listening to this on, just go to the info button and all those links will be there. If you're watching this on YouTube, go to the info button below and you'll see all the links there as well. So please do stay in contact. And before I let you go, I just want to ask you one final question that I ask all of my guests Mm -hmm. and it's pertaining to this, this forum, this podcast that I created from this idea that we are all radically loved by God, source, universe, whatever higher power of your understanding. It's this idea that the universe works for you and not against you. And so the final question to you is how do you feel radically loved? How do I feel? I feel radically loved in so many different ways. Um, from the universal perspective, I guess my favorite uh, definition of that or the concept of universe Brahman is is the inexhaustible potential for creativity. And I think I feel radically loved by the fact that I know that that is inexhaustible and that we all have that potential to tap into it and that we can all share in this 
a creative source uh, to to help for at least from my perspective the betterment of all and um so from a universal perspective very much that from a more mundane i guess human perspective i think you know my children make me feel radically loved they are my my north star uh, I feel unconditional love from them. I also happen to have a really fantastic support group of friends and, and my mother who is like always behind me, beside me, cheering me on as a cheerleader. So, so I have the human perspective as well as the universe that I feel like are supporting and uplifting me. And then if I have, you know, a bad day or whatever, I always have that, that rectangle of, of sacred space as well. <laughs> I love that. Krista, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your voice with us. We really appreciate it. And um, from me and all of our listeners, we thank you for your courage and your ability to continue to practice and to have done all of that research that you did to provide us with more knowledge and information on a topic that we all love so much, which is yoga. So thank you for being on. And for those of you listening, if you enjoyed this episode, please go to um, Apple or whatever platform you're listening to this on, subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with someone who you think would find value in this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Rosie. Appreciate it. Yay. Oh my goodness. Skinny Dipped Almonds has a new dark plus sea salt. Honey, can you see? Hey guys. <laughs> uh, Skinny Dipped Almonds, you know the drill. They're amazing. They have brand new flavors that you must try. There is a new Skinny Dipped Lemon Bliss, which tastes like, what was that? Do you remember those cookies? Lemon, what were they called? Here's Tori. Hey guys. They were what? Do you remember those lemon cream cookies? What were they called? Lemon cream cookies, yeah. Uh, Anyway, they're delicious. We have had such a great response. For those of you that have been listening to the podcast that have tried the Skinny Dipped Almonds or have gone to any one of my retreats or events and have had the pleasure of trying these delicious treats. They are non-GMO, they have less sugar, and they are really a guiltless treat. So head over to skinnydipped.com or you can click the link on the info button of this particular podcast. And don't forget to use the code ROSIE15 to get your discount. Again, head to skinnydipped.com and enter the code ROSIE15, R-O-S-I-E, one five to get your skinny dipped almonds. And if you know the cookie that I'm talking about, please uh, send us a message and let us know. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.